Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Level Up Human, the comedy science podcast Souping up the Homo sapien. Hello and welcome to Level Up Human, the show that looks at the human race and tries to figure out how to make it better. We're taking suggestions from our panel and our audience here live at the Science Museum in London and the natural world to work out what the next stage in our evolution should be. I'm your host, Simon Watts, and today I am joined by three entropy traps in the form of our guests. Immediately on my right, we have Dr. Julia Shaw. She's a senior lecturer and researcher in the Department of Law and Social Sciences at London's South Bank University. Uh, you're interested in, um, well, not just the intersection of brain and memory, but also in plugging your book. Please tell us more. <laughs> I am. So I am indeed a memory scientist, and I, in particular, train the police and the military how to ask questions better. Um, so my book, <laughs> uh, it's called The Memory Illusion, and it's remembering, forgetting, and the science of false memory. And it's all about how from everyday situations to more extreme situations like I deal with, and again, it, people misremembering committing crimes, for example, um, the, how our memory can, can be misled. And so the biggest thing that I study is why we come to believe that we have memories of things that never happened. So that's what my book is about, and that's what my science is about, and that's what I'll be talking about. It, it, does any reader, like, are they kind of guaranteed paranoia? Yes. Oh, I, I hope to crush people's notion of a sense of reality. Um, <laughs> oh, that'll so, sell well, yeah. Uh, I, I, if I've done my job correctly, uh, you leave the book saying, what is real? Uh, who am I? That's a big one. Uh, who am I? Because in particular, I'm interested in autobiographical memories, so the memories that make us who we are, uh, and showing that even our most cherished memories can be changed for better or worse. Terrifying. Okay. Also, pitching another idea. So you make perfect sense being here. You're going to tell us perhaps how we can pimp our brains and pimp our memories and things. Um, but taking us into the past and giving us suggestions on our far right here, we have got Paul Duncan McGarity. Uh, you are a comedian and an archaeologist. What's the best thing that you've ever found? Uh, found a piece of Neolithic pottery with a thumbprint in it, which I thought was really cool. Uh, yeah. Good noise. <laughs> That's really, really good. Do you know, I, I, um, I used to be a professional Viking, and I, I make professional because you don't want to meet the amateur ones. They're really awful. Because I, I worked at the, uh, the Jorvik Museum. When I was yeah. But while I was there, I accidentally uh, dug up a child. 
Um, we've all done it. The first time I... No! The first time I swung a mattock in anger, I went through a child's burial. It was a great day. <laughs> mattock in anger. That's a great phrase. That should be your autobiography, actually. <laughs> and uh, you're going to make suggestions for... I, I love, actually, the fact I'm not going to tell you why I dug up a child's grave. <laughs> That's a great thing just to leave hanging accidentally. Well... Moving swiftly on. Um, on my left, judging their ideas to see what is worthwhile incorporating into the next version of the human, uh, we have Ellie Taylor. What kind of ideas would you like to see maybe in the next human? Um, I suppose I'm, I'm at the stage in my life where a lot of my friends are having children, so I'm hearing a lot of, uh, frankly, terrifying birth stories. Um, and I've got obsessed with birth and I've been researching it like, like a serial killer researching their next victim. Um, <laughs> honestly, I've started going onto mum's net forums about birth injuries. Just in the corner of the, tell me about your prolapses. Um, <laughs> on it, reading the stuff on there, it makes reading a Stephen King novel look like a Peppa Pig book. It's absolutely terrifying. So I don't understand why we haven't evolved for birth to be better. Uh, this is my issue. So I, I would like us to evolve. Sin. No, that's not <laughs> I would like us to evolve to just be able to have, like, just to lay an egg. Like, oh, there we go. And then you sit on it for nine months and, oh, brilliant, I knew I'd say Breaking Bad for a reason. Like, that would be it. That would solve so many problems. Do you know there's something to that? I, I... All the women with broken vaginas are saying yes. <laughs> Okay, well, this is our panel, but we're also joined by the wonderful audience here at the Science Museum. Please give everyone a warm welcome. Before we hear our panels and our audience's pitches of the kind of thing that they would like to see, we're going to start by looking at what's actually happening in the world right now. Each of our panel have brought along some news stories. Uh, so why don't we start with you this time, Julia? What's grabbed you? Uh, arachnophobia. You've been crippled by it. <laughs> crippled. Uh, there's some new science happening in Amsterdam, which makes sense. I don't know why. We, they, they try very experimental things, especially with drugs, and that's why it makes sense. Um, and it's giving people drugs before they touch spiders, and in particular tarantulas. Um, so it's a new therapy that's based on memory, and essentially you're trying to sever the memory, the fear memory that arachnophobes, especially extreme arachnophobes, have around spiders um, and may, let them have a positive experience touching spiders. And so they're drugged up touching spiders. And it's not just any drug, it's a drug that you probably have at home, especially if you have a heart problem. It's beta, beta blockers, they're called. So it's heart medication. And if you give people this heart medication and then let them touch spiders, their arachnophobia goes away over a couple of sessions. So this is really interesting, because I know there's also some people who have been making suggestions of evolutionary reasons for arachnophobia, because we are all, we are all Africans, fundamentally. Like chimpanzees, they look at us and they think we're all alike, basically. Because our genes, our species, comes from Africa. No matter where you come from, we all come from Africa. And in Africa, they have got venomous spiders. Mm -hmm. So evolutionary biologists have been wondering why was arachnophobia so common, and they were starting to wonder, was there an evolutionary edge? Um, as a memory expert, do you think that there is such a thing as sort of ancestral-type memories? Or are there like patterns that are evolved into the brain to make anything memory-like? There's certainly things that, uh, across cultures, people seem to be afraid of. Spiders is actually one of those things. Um, yes. But arachnophobia, in a debilitating sense, is different again. So someone who is so afraid of spiders, or so afraid of birds, that's another one, uh, that they can't even be near them, that's different than going, ew, gross, uh, you do it. 
Uh, that's a totally different approach, right? So most of us have the latter, where we go, oh, I don't really want to go near it necessarily, but they're not going to run out of the room screaming. Um, and so I think that it, evolutionarily, it, there's something to be said for a basic fear of things that are creepy crawlies or that could hurt us, mm. uh, but not a debilitating sense that actually inhibits our good decision making. Cool. I just, I'm just imagining people at festivals now going out looking for spiders <laughs> and drugs. Paul, what's going on? Well, I'm going to just say two words that definitely need to go together: space archaeology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that what 2001 really was? <laughs> yes. Well, it's a bit different. Um, it's someone called Dar uh, Dr. Sarah Parkak. Has anyone heard of Dr. Sarah Parkak? She's, uh, she's been using satellite imaging to find basically 132 new... Yeah, you have heard of her. She found 132 new potential new sites in Egypt uh, using a mixture of uh, satellite imaging and uh, ground surveys. But this year she's proven that she doesn't just use uh, satellites to look at massive empty deserts. She can do it with trees in the way as well. Um, which is good, because otherwise she'd be very limited. Um, she's found a new site that, uh, in, right, I'd say Newfoundland, but a Canadian would say... Newfoundland. Newfoundland? <laughs> because they haven't time for Fiscal. all of the words. Just <laughs> Newfoundland. Um, they found a new site which uh, could potentially be the second uh, ever identified location for uh, Vikings in uh, Canada which is pretty cool. Um, they've started doing a few digs to test it. Uh, radiocarbon dating has found that the site dates to about 800 to 1300 AD, so it's in the right time period. Um, they've got evidence of people using turf to cover the houses and a little bit of um, uh, bog iron, uh, which are two things that the indigenous populations we don't think did, but the Vikings did do. So um, it's, it's an interesting revolution to the way archaeology works, that we can just be in space and go, they went there, done. I love this. I, I really like the idea of going digging for Vikings in Canada and finding an ice hockey team or something like that. <laughs> That'd be perfect. Ellie, what's grabbed you in the news? Um, I was reading about a pain management device uh, that has apparently been around for about 12 years, but for some reason an article uh, in a journal has been, um, someone has sort of read it and I think it's been shared a lot and suddenly it's sort of getting momentum again. And it was a pain management device uh, involving an electrical implant uh, that would be attached to your spine for people who have like chronic pain conditions. Um, but one of the side effects for some people was uh, when they sort of hit the pain management device, they would get um, mega orgasms at the touch of a button. <laughs> Um, Oops, now, <laughs> what a side effect. <laughs> um, but they, they currently retail at $25,000 each. Worth it. So the guy... <laughs> was that still the same worth it? Oh, dear. It's true. Let's all club together and share it. OK. Um, but don't worry, the price is going to come down if they can work out a way of making the battery sp smaller, because the guy who found it, who uh, created it, said um, it would, if we made it smaller, they could just use it for one hour a day, because, and I quote, some of us have to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> this might actually, do you know what you're saying about it getting smaller and getting more, you know, the way capitalism doing what it does other than destroying everything, but driving down the prices? Um, well, this is effectively what happened with uh, vibrators. Vibrators, if I'm right in thinking, were originally treatments for hysteria? Yeah. Is that sort of correct? Yeah. So from pain to pleasure. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And Spec for some people back again, you know, mm. up to you. They were specifically invented because doctors were complaining of the amount of time it took to manually stimulate. I <laughs> know, <laughs> yeah, this is taking far too much of my day. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
I think what the listeners missed out on was a wonderful hand action. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even notice he was doing it. Sorry. <laughs> Lost control. Uh... Strong instincts, though. OK, so that's the kind of thing which is actually happening here and now. Let's take it forward. What would we like to see? So our first suggestion, why don't we take that from you, Julia? So for this one, I have... Uh, recently talked to somebody who does artificial intelligence. Um, and there's this project in New Zealand called Baby X. If you haven't heard of Baby X, you need to go Google it right now. It sounds like a disappointing um, sequel. It is. <laughs> what was Baby 1? Um, or Baby 9, I guess. In this Anyways, um, Baby X uh, is a literally a baby that is on a screen that you can teach things to. And so the reason as a memory scientist this intrigues me is that they're using the models that we come up with in memory science and they're making it into an actual, not yet sentient, obviously, uh, but actual model that can learn. So this baby that looks like a baby that you can interact with like a baby that has cameras for eyes and has its the, the speaker is for it to make sound. Um, and you want to interact with it. If you look at these videos, you'll see what I mean. Uh, you want to interact with this baby. You want to teach it stuff. It mimics what you're doing. It's, it says things that you're saying. And so you, by teaching it stuff, you are using and showing that we actually understand a lot more about human memory than sometimes we think we do. Mm. Because it's been, it, it's been able to learn basic words. Now, this is my idea. Okay. This is a thing that exists. We take this to the next level in the imminent future. And we have a full memory storage facility on a computer. We also have neuroimaging already. Now, if you could take a snapshot of your brain right now and put it into a baby X type artificial intelligence, you could essentially have backups of your brain, backups of your memory. And what makes it amazing with baby X is what you could do is then talk to your own backup. <laughs> right? So you access your backup from the 25th of June, 1985, and you talk to yourself and say, so, what are my memories? So it doesn't need to be sentient to make this work. All it needs to do is have the exact brain that you had that day and the memories that go with it. So my future human has the ability to download this brain into this artificial intelligence and then later access it. Backup baby. Right. Wow. Can I, wow. I have to ask you here, because you've um, spent... Um, an entire morning so far depressing me and telling me that everything that I thought I believe is wrong. Why are you having two copies which are inaccurate? Why is that better? Because at least you can still go to the original. So let's say you want to remember today as good as you're going to ever remember it. It's still going to be an imperfect re re recollection of today because mm -hmm. even your memory of a second ago is slightly imperfect. Um, but it's going to be as good as it's ever going to get. And so if you then 10 years later go back, you can also see how it's changed. So you can see, oh, wow, if I look at my, the original version of this, this data or this memory, uh, it's quite different from how I remember it now. And so then you can choose to change it back to that original one or keep the one that you have now. Can I ask a, a bit of a, sorry. No, I just say, it sounds very interesting. So you just, you'd, you'd, you'd use it to access old memories. Because I was thinking you, you're using it to have a conversation with your old self. So that's how you access them though. That's not, but no. I just think I've, oh, like young me, I don't want to have any advice from that idiot. <laughs> but it's, it's not advice, right? So you're not asking their opinion. You're just asking them about what they remember. But then all they'd be like, oh, Ellie, what do you remember from 1998? Oh, Mark Owen's really hard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that would be it. That's <laughs> what I have to. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to ask, what do you have against the people who make diaries? 
<laughs> you don't know which memories are going to be the most important. These brain backups have everything. Well, maybe this is the thing, because actually, they're bringing up the diary, because if anybody's ever looked at a teenage diary, it kind of makes you want to <laughs> Cry. swallow your own skin. It's a, really, <laughs> it's a really weird thing, isn't it? So I don't know, what, I don't know if I want to meet... I don't, I don't want to meet me ever. No. It, no. Would shatter, it would no. shatter all my illusions. I, Even I, listening back to this podcast will hurt me. <laughs> am I really that high-pitched and hillbilly mm. sounding? But you guys will think, I mean, you guys are obviously thinking about childhood memories and things, but what about something from two weeks ago? Would you want to talk to that person? Shopping list, put it down. Just write it down. <laughs> <laughs> Just, is this a world where hands don't work? <laughs> What do you reckon, Ellie? Does this go on the shortlist? Because we can only take forward one idea from today's Maybe. suggestions. Maybe. I'm not convinced about it because I don't really see the benefit. Unless I accidentally kill a man and need to know where I was. <laughs> y you were killing a man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Solved! Done! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because actually I have to say I love the idea of having memory backups, but going the kind of... Um, Tamagotchi interface. <laughs> that, that's what doesn't appeal to me here. Like, mm. you have to ask. Because also, I know that I was a tiny little liar as a child. Am I going to be honest in my memories? Mm. I have a quick question as well. You say that it doesn't have to have AI, but is there a potential for people having AI and a younger version of myself then developing off a second personality through new experiences so that I become... Oh, God, broken my brain. Uh, <laughs> just... So then there's a potential that an AI of me at that point has a different experience of life, and I end up talking to myself and going, this prick doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I feel like I lost you here. Um, again, it's not about the, the, the intelligence, though. You don't need intelligence. You almost don't want intelligence. No. Uh, what? You, you just want it as a backup. <laughs> I mean, you might not have it anyway. <laughs> Burn. Uh, oh, same joke in two recordings. <laughs> but what if someone could hack your memories then? If you've downloaded it, like, you know when you go to the Apple store, and I... <laughs> and the guy, a guy was like, oh, he was trying to teach me something. He's like, can I go into your photos? And I was like, no! You could download people's yes. sexual memories as porn. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> no. No. But only as descriptions. Only as descriptions? Because your memories. <laughs> All right, Ellie, sorry, we're going to have to crack so on practical. here. Go for it. You want, oh, backup babies in. All right, yeah, once the shortlist, yeah. we'll come back to it at the end. Paul, come on then. I'm going for a full overhaul. Uh, we need resilience to muscle atrophy, we need a stronger cardiovascular system, and we need better control of flatulence. <laughs> and as for the, thank you, one person clapping. <laughs> I assume flatulence. <laughs> Um, the reason being, uh, we are a species that has always benefited from moving and exploring beyond our boundaries. In the preamble, you said that we are, we're all Africans, we come from Africa, and as soon as we move into new environments, what we do is we technologically adapt our environments to us. So every time we have a new challenge, that's when we move forward as a species technologically, right? So if you want to look at it as like houses, houses are houses everywhere, but if you move into an area that's got a lot of flooding, we build houses that are on stilts. Mm -hmm. uh, if you've got a uh, you move into an Antarctic um, uh, area, you build igloos. Uh, you, you, know, you, you move into Japan and now we use technology to stop buildings from collapsing during earthquakes. We adapt the environment to ourselves. So what's the environment we need to move into next? Space. 
Right. Exactly, right? I, I pitched this idea past the guy who goes, oh, why do we want to go to Mars? My answer is, because it's Mars! <laughs> He's like, what, what happens when you get there? You're on Mars! <laughs> and Matt Damon's getting lonely. Yes! <laughs> we need to get him back! <laughs> so every, every time as a species, we, we... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We explore and we develop. We, uh, we, we, we technologically adapt to the, the new problems. So, in space, I think we will adapt to the problems of deep space travel. I generally do. We're an incredibly inventive species, and people are already working on, uh, you know, uh, n- new faster engines to get us further away. I was reading one of the displays here about the the T6 ion thruster, which is a great name. Uh, it has 10% of the propellant and euphemism, by the yeah. way. Yeah, <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> 10% of the propellant uh, and expels ions of, of xenon gas at 40 kilometers per second, uh, which has a speed of 13 times that of chemical propellants. We did that because someone wants to go into the vacuum of space, and let's just have a look at it. But my idea is we're here to pitch a new idea of humanity. So I say we overhaul ourselves so that we make the early days of space travel easier to do. We take away some of the problems that our engineers are going to have to overcome by just being better at being in space. So, muscle atrophy, obviously we're in zero gravity. If we can prevent that from happening to ourselves, it's going to be easier. You're not going to have to worry about how to keep the uh, astronauts fit and and, and their muscles active. Uh, So you can reduce the amount of weight that's going up there. Uh, Stronger cardiovascular system, same problem. Basically, we've got a muscle there that's been used to working in Earth's gravity. If you take it out of Earth's gravity, you start to have some problems. And the further away we go, the more problems we're going to have. So if we have a stronger cardiovascular system, we can just go... Sod it. Pluto. I might have good news for you here, because what you're suggesting makes perfect sense in terms of fitting ourselves for space, but there are people already working on this. I, uh, as a documentary series I was involved in, I got to have a ride on some NASA uh, workout equipment, and it was 
basically a giant centrifuge. So one person was cycling to power the centrifuge, which kept their muscles bumping and going, and that induced a sort of uh, centripetal force, which means that this cage would go up and then you do squats on it. So this specifically was trying to combat the heart atrophy that you're talking about. We are an amazing species. <laughs> <laughs> we put a gym in space. I mean, we're putting bros in space, but... <laughs> Yeah, nobody hit on me. That doesn't happen so much in space. But the, uh, and like, I had the decency to wipe it down afterwards because sweat and zero gravity is probably not what you want. <laughs> but but this, is, this is happening. But I suppose if we could use genetic engineering and things mm. to avoid this, then that might be a better way. Yeah. What do you think, Ellie? I mean, sure. I mean, um, well, I'm not sure. Why is the flatulence thing such a problem? <laughs> Again, we've got a digestive system that's developed with gravity. Uh, so n when you're floating around in zero gravity, you have some issues that are gaseous. Um, well, I, um, I met a man the other day who said... We, I, was talking <laughs> group, I was talking with a group of friends about uh, farting in a relationship and at what point you do it. Um, I, I obviously don't because I'm a woman and I'm not, it's just sparkles and raspberries. Um, but no, he said with his girlfriend he was allowed to fart once a day. <laughs> and I think we just say hmm. that to the astronauts. Happy days. Second, secondary problem with farting in zero gravity is propelling yourself across the room. <laughs> oh, I take it back. That sounds so much fun. <laughs> Aren't they already wearing spacesuits? Hmm? Don't they already have spacesuits that take care of all of these things? Why don't we just make really good spacesuits? Yeah, but why don't we come at it from two angles so that we ha don't have to make the spacesuits quite as good and concentrate on other s technology within the spacecraft? But we still oh. can't breathe in space. Ah! <laughs> no. <laughs> you might I'm want to if it's all fart up there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think we should get rid of farting in space because I imagine there's not much to laugh about when you're an astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> you're up there for nine months. Yeah. Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> That's a very good question, because you know why? Because the vacuum in space, no one can hear you scream. In space, no one can hear you fart. That fart quota will go right out the window. He could get away with it as often as he likes. So, Ellie, is it on the list? Um, it's, a bit, it's a bit vast. As is space? <laughs> I don't think we can be like, let's just, let's just get better at everything. It can go on a list, can it? No, it's, it's be better at going into space so that everything else that comes afterwards from what we develop technologically is easier to do. OK, he sold it. Go on, it can go on the list. OK, right. <laughs> Fitting ourselves for space, that's in there. Well, audience here at the Science Museum, I'm sure you can do better. Our panel have been looking through some of the suggestions you had, and we'd like to hear more. All right, guys, this is the point where we come to you, if you don't mind. We're going to come out with ones. Uh, I know that some that have grabbed me, for instance, was to delete the grumpy gene. <laughs> I, I didn't know that such a thing existed. We also had make them all vegans. They probably wouldn't be as grumpy if they weren't vegans, to be fair. That's perhaps a fair point. They'd have more issues in space. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the forcibly making vegans, does that remove the point of being a vegan? Like, Smugness. Is that <laughs> no, but like, as in it's one of those things that people choose. Um, what's a, Alex, is Alex here? Who suggested that? Alex, do you want to take part? Alex or has fallen asleep because she's got so little energy. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's too busy saving the planet. We're sorry for taking the mickey out of you and then asking you to speak. <laughs> the I've, got, I've got a funny one here. Uh, it's just, earlids! We need earlids. That's what <laughs> that was from Jude Parker. Is Jude in the, Jude's right there. Jude, do you mind if we, do you want to be in our podcast? 
She doesn't know. Say that again. Oh, that's... Oh. <laughs> Jude hasn't thought it through. Okay, Jude, why do you want ear lids? Um, uh, I I don't know. I just we can close our eyes if if there's a, a flash of light or something, and I just thought it'd be great to be able to close your ears to. No, I, th I, I think, think it's a solid idea. You're it's entirely onto something. Absolutely. I've got a friend who she's uh, she's a proper wimp. Like she found Shrek three frightening as a film. <laughs> And uh, she does do a thing when we go to the cinema together where if she's watching something that's scary, she closes her eyes. And we once went to a storytelling play thing where there's no actual violence, brilliant thing by a guy called Marco Rao, but it's got some really violent descriptions. And you could see her there with her eyes closed, being confused, not knowing quite what to do, <laughs> to try and blot it out. So earlids might be a solution. I, I... She's trying to compensate for her lack of earlids. I think <laughs> I already have earlids, but they're attached to my hands. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like it as a reflex sort of thing. It's sort of like a reflex, kind of like if you, you know, you've got that blink and you just kind of go. Just. Can you imagine if you were having an argument with your partner and you mm. just see their earlids? You put the earlids on again! <laughs> It'd be brilliant. You'd hear someone go, I don't want to be racist, but. Whoop. <laughs> yeah, a new version of noise cancelling <laughs> earphones. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. I actually. think that's excellent, Jude. That's going on the list. All right, earlids are on the list. Okay, then. Mm. Um, I've got one from Gareth. Is specifically the second one, not Gareth. the second Gareth. The second suggestion. We got Gareth. He just said mind melds. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> take part, Gareth, please. Do you want to take part? Yeah. Oh, Gareth. sorry. Consciousness transfer. I, yeah, I missed yeah, that one. I, I just generally just. No, Gareth. Tell us. Take us through it. What is your suggestion? Well, like in Star Trek, with mind meld, just being able to do that. And so it'd be like your memory idea, where you could look at, but it'd be someone else. Um, excuse me, um, what the F is a mind melt? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, a... it's a Vulcan thing, obviously. Oh, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> could, you, could you explain it for us non-Vulcans? It's a telepathic connection? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just with one person? Well, you can read their mind, basically. Yeah. Okay. And is it a voluntary thing, or do you, like, just take it? I suppose it should be voluntary. Right. It should be voluntary. <laughs> it should definitely be Do you have to sign a waiver that. before you mind yeah. melt? You right. need a contract. <laughs> and exactly right. Okay. You're not allowed into this folder in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, are we talking about things along the lines of Bluetooth humans, effectively? Would that be it? You're just talking about a means of... Yeah, uh, sharing just experience. instant communication. Mm. So there are some things that you can't easily put in words, so why not just... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Instantly. I would spend most of my life in airplane mode, if that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to opt out. This, this, uh, I'm sure telepathy is great, but mm. Ellie, I'm going to have to ask you this, because as a comedian, half of your life is based around lying and subterfuge. Um, <laughs> not, and not, sometimes I do comedy. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> dreadful, dreadful, sorry. As in you, you can't do a pullback and reveal if you communicate perfectly. You can't have humour if you communicate. Half the idea is, mm. is deceit and leading yeah. people on. Yeah, look, well, comedy is that, isn't it? Sort of confu it we laugh because it, you know, something doesn't make sense or you know, that's, that's wrong. <laughs> and we're nervous because it, it doesn't quite follow through. Granted, the Vulcans weren't known for their sense of humour, were they? <laughs> no. <laughs> Actually, can we ask you this perfectly? Uh, sorry, what's your name again? Because I missed it. Gareth. Sorry. Gareth, can we can we ask you here then? Would you be willing to sacrifice a sense of humour for perfect communication? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I'd go for it. Yeah. You should become a scientist. Well, but what if you did it with? What if you shared it with people who did have a really good sense of humour? The one guy who was clapping there is your new best friend. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't have a sense of humour and shared something with someone who had a great sense of humour, you wouldn't get it. <laughs> no, I suppose you. Just be going. What I a strange I series of thoughts you just had. I mean, neither of you would get it, or you'd both really get it. <laughs> Can we, it depends which mind was, you know, one out. <laughs> Can we broaden this into the audience here a little more? Um, who would like to back Gareth up on this? Like, who would actually like this? Okay, would you mind? Can we take the microphone to one of them so we can see um, if they have sufficiently mind melded for him to make the same argument? Someone's mind melding through the phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, What's your name? Uh, sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, Peter. Okay, Peter, you, you agree with Gareth. Tell us why. As you said, originally it's optional. So the idea of being able to communicate someone uh, completely without any room to misunderstand what they're saying. I think a lot of the world's problems come from this communication. So as long as it's optional, you can still have humour. You can still talk to people and still have that humour with the optional standpoint to it. Well, maybe um, one of the... Idea. Okay, here's a, here's a different point to raise. And surely... Um, people disagree, and they disagree for good reasons. So if you mind meld with someone who's wrong, you're not wrong too. I'm not calling you wrong, Peter. You can still understand that thinking to reach that Sorry. You would still, you would understand uh, their thought process to reach that. But the problem with thoughts is, like, when you're speaking, uh, you get to sort of filter what you're saying, but thoughts, you, any old stuff goes through your brain quite rapidly and sometimes things that you really are like oh mental why did i think of that um i don't want to kick the dog like that kind of thing <laughs> and people would get flashes of your nutsness wouldn't they i don't think that's good i get that all the time Any, anytime i'm in a gallery i keep thinking don't lick the paintings don't lick the paintings <laughs> that's just a constant background monologue i have with women in fur coats my brain genuinely says to me take your top off rub your boobs on it <laughs> I just love fur. I just love fur so much. Anyway, moving on. You can on just to wear us. your own fur coat, you realise? The... I just wouldn't leave the house, I think. I'd just be so excited. Anyway, let's talk about <laughs> earlids. They were good. <laughs> okay, well, actually, come on. Is that going to the shortlist then? The Vulcan mind melt? Um... So you can watch Star Wars without having had to watch Star Wars. Oh, God, no. Star Trek. No. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> They're all the same to me. <laughs> I, I don't have to mind meld with these people to know what they're thinking. <laughs> oh, it's an entire series of an international booty call by Captain Kirk. I can't see what you're liking about it. No, it's not going on there. Why is that controversial? It's the Science Museum, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> Sorry, it is Ellie has vetoed that one, so that's not in the list, right? Maybe the saving grace for that one is that we sort of mind meld with each other already, says the memory scientist. Um, we can convince each other that things happened that didn't happen. And we are memory thieves all the time. One of my favorite terms right now, being a memory thief. You know those times when you tell someone's story as if it's your own, and someone calls you out on it, and you're like, oh my god, that wasn't me. <laughs> uh, and your sister's like, that was me at Disneyland, not you. Um, and you've got this, this story from somebody else, whomever else, but you've sold it as your own for years because you genuinely believe that that was your story. Uh, you've been a memory thief. And sometimes we do it intentionally, sometimes we don't. And it's, uh, it's a fascinating thing that happens. And in a way, you could say that we're stealing pieces of someone else's mind and someone else's memory and making it our own. So you're opening the door to them. 
All right, we've got one final suggestion. First of all, though, please give everyone a wild round of applause. That was awesome, guys. We've had a lot of good suggestions, but we've got a final one coming from Mother Nature herself. This is a round we like to call Splice of Life. Using gene technologies, what would you steal from these creatures? So have a look at this. It is called the Gum Leaf Skeletonizer Caterpillar. Can you describe it for us, please, Ellie? What is this? Uh, it's a pile of black stuff on top of each other. It looks, it looks like a load of pebbles or like a totem pole. Uh, and it has sort of fluffy white wings like a conservative man's eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> I, chose this one, I, I chose this one specifically for you, Ellie, because I know you used to work as a model in the fashion industry. And uh, this creature, Whenever it molts, it keeps its old heads and then it wears them as a hat. <laughs> <laughs> so, understanding the fashion world, I thought maybe you might like this. What do you reckon? I reckon uh, summer 2017 in Shoreditch, that will be all the rage. <laughs> <laughs> it's not any stranger than anything you see at Ascot, really. No, it's true. <laughs> and I love it actually, because I once saw somebody called this the Mad Hatterpillar, which I thought was quite a nice way of phrasing it. What would you would you steal this ability to be able to molt and keep extra bits? Um, pro no, probably not. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy to discard things that I don't want on my body anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't really want to keep them, so no. Okay, I was just thinking, you know, two heads are better than one, so surely five or six is even better. Not still. a dead one, though, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay. <laughs> okay, then that's out. So, Ellie, we can only take one of these things forward, representing humanity as you are today. I'd like you to pick which of these ideas we should incorporate into our genome, what we should add to the next stage of human evolution. So, we had uh, Julia's suggestion of baby X1, perhaps, XI, a backup baby which will have your memories, so mm -hmm. you can consult it at will. Uh, we had the idea of fitting ourselves for space, stopping our hearts and other parts atrophying. Then we had ear lids from our audience here. So you can shut off to ideas you don't want to hear. Basically like, do you know what? I was about to say something horrible and I won't. <laughs> what do you reckon? I am going to go, as much as I like the space idea, I still think it's not narrowed down enough. You probably haven't thought it through. Um, <laughs> um, he's an archaeologist, so he doesn't really know about these things. <laughs> Mate, I know all about space, because aliens made pyramids and stuff. <laughs> I'm joking, Paul. I'm just being horrible, because I, uh, I don't remember anything. From, the only thing I remember from GCSE science is having a slight crush on my teacher, Miss Clark. And it's archaeology, it's not science. Oh, it's not even a science. <laughs> no, no, no. I have a BA. <laughs> Out now. <laughs> um, so I'm not. I'm not convinced about space. The baby X thing I find a little disconcerting. That I could have. Yeah, I don't think I want to know what past me was up to or th thinks about what I'm up to now. Um, so um, it's going to be ear Jude's idea of earlids, mate. I love it. Give her a big round of applause. Jude, how does it feel to have your idea uh, going to be added compulsory to every human <laughs> before they leave this room? Um, it's, it's great. I've, I've wanted them for years, so... It's <laughs> absolutely fine. I don't know what the rest of these think, but... They can't hear because they've got their earlids on. <laughs> All right, you heard it here first. 
Well, thank you ever so much. We'll take that back to our uh, we'll take that back to our boffins. We'll add this to the next Homo sapiens software update. There will be buffering. It might make your belly button spin. But we look forward to it. Before we go, I'd like to give a warm round of applause and thank you to our wonderful guests. We've had Julia Shaw, we've had Paul Duncan McGarity, we've had Ellie Taylor and the wonderful audience here at the Science Museum. This has been Level Up Human. I'm your host, Simon Watt. Thank you and good night. That was Level Up Human, hosted by Simon Watt, produced by Rachel Wheely and supported by the Wellcome Trust. For more information, go to leveluphuman.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.